Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Intimate, powerful, and mysterious prayer. But you know what? It's interesting because when you hear a testimony like that, some some people would hear it and say, well, what actually happened? But if you've had experiences like that, you know what happened. You know that there was a moment where you just are aware of God and there's kind of that living aspect of encountering His presence and it, it does strengthen you and it does affirm to you. You know, there's a reality in, in you're always in touch with His presence. He's always speaking to you. But there are just those moments where you become more aware. You know, God does not come and leave you. He doesn't show up stronger at some times and He's weaker at other times. It has everything to do with our perception, with our awareness, with our own personal sensitivity, right? I mean, it's like you, the sun is the sun. It's going to shine bright and He is within us and He's not going to remove Himself from you. It has everything to do with where we are. And so people, you know, there's certain groups within Christianity that do value encounters with the Spirit of the living God, and it can get a little off base, it can get a little too emotional, it can get a little too subjective, right? But when you stick to what you know, and when you stick to the truth of who God is, there's so much power in that. You don't have to make stuff up. You don't have to have some subjective, crazy experience. There's plenty of validity and power and strengthening and nourishment and comfort just in interacting with His presence without all of the special revelation. Are you with me? You know, so I'm not trying to minimize God speaking to you in, in those crazy moments that can happen, which I've had some pretty powerful, incredible moments and like visions and all of that kind of stuff. I don't really talk about or try to teach into those kinds of things very much because if they happen, they're just going to happen. There's not a whole lot you can do about it, right? It's just going to happen. I mean, how many of you ever had like an open vision or you feel like a physical manifestation or something like that that's just hard to explain? Yeah, a few people have. And, it, and it's powerful. My daughter raised her hand. Well, you got to like that one that something like that happens. I didn't pay her to do that either. Uh, anyway, that was sweet. I'm having a moment. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome when your kids like walk their own faith walk, you know, you don't force things on them, but then they, you start seeing it show up in their lives. So anyway, proud of you. Oh, okay. You know, so you can't fabricate that. You, you can only set your intention. I like how you said purpose in your heart to spend time with him interact with him and 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 realize you're in a relationship. I just I just realized it's only 9:14. We just got started. We're ready to go. <laughs> I have to do my adjustments. All right, I'm going to preach now. Ready? Enough rambling. So, I think this is going to actually be four messages because <clears throat> I may we may need to talk about the enemy and how to pray that through as well. So, next week could be on praying in the Spirit, 
maybe we'll talk about the enemy because we I need to actually kind of teach on that anyway. So this week is powerful prayer. Last week, just a little bit of review. Prayer is a time to renew your mind to what God said. You know, there is an asking in prayer. There is a time of letting your requests be made known to the Lord. There is that. You know, prayer is not worry. There, there's an emotional component to prayer also. The emotional component to prayer is peace. It's confidence. You know, it's not necessarily stillness and quiet. You may be, you may be overly excited. You may be one of those people that likes to run around and wave the flags and all that kind of stuff, and that's fine. We don't really have room for it in this building, but, you know. Uh, what, oh, by the way, the first time I ever been in one of those flag things, I was sitting in the back row and I felt this thing over my head. And I'm like, what in the world? And somebody was waving a flag. I guess they, I'm not sure what they were doing, but anyway. <laughs> they were getting something out of it. That sounds negative, doesn't it? <laughs> so it, it's a time, it, prayer is a time to renew your mind, right? It's not the time where you're going to try to figure things out. I mean, you might come out with a revelation, but, but prayer, it's not, a, it's not the time to be self-centered. It's the time to make yourself God-centered. It's the time to clear those distractions out. My, my overall view of God is this. He's not out there hidden and you're trying to go find Him and understand things and discern His will through circumstance and mystery and all of that. For me, He's in us and He has made His will clear to us in the life and in the actions, the finished work of Jesus. So God is there. He is a fixture. He is a component within us. He is, he is eternal. He is God. And Him in us is trying to lead us into a, such a life that is fruitful, that is honoring of His name, honoring of His work, and brings glory to His name. And so He's there constantly speaking leading you and guiding you into success, leading you and guiding you into fruitfulness, into holy choices, into righteous living, and into a way where you experience life on this planet where you can be a blessing to others. Now, there may be a situation where you go into a hostile environment, whether it be you know, politically or physically, depending on the nation or whatever, that as you are following Him, you go into an environment where you experience persecution and external tribulation for the sake of the gospel, right? But that in and of itself, that process is not doing anything spiritually to you that God hasn't already done with His Spirit through Christ, right? You may learn how to make more holy choices or those types of things. Like situationally, you may learn how to express your Christianity in a more mature and fruitful way. But nothing actually happens in you. That's all done through His Spirit, right? Does that make sense to you? So God is just, He's with you and He's for you. You can trust Him. You can expect His favor in your life. It's what He wants, not for your selfishness, not so that, you know, you can claim something through your faith, but we can claim a lot. But just to follow God, to, be, to live a life, to be a, to, be, to be a garden that God, you've allowed God to tend you well, to bear fruit, that brings glory and honor to His name. And there's personal success and benefit all along the way. Just like everybody that He's picked and said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the earth. And then you look at the kind of blessing that He birthed through them, and it's like, it's incredible. So that's the general mindset that I'm trying to get myself back to when I pray. 
I'm trying to push out all of these things that have happened that haven't, haven't happened in a way that I believe is consistent with what Jesus accomplished through His death, burial, and resurrection. Like there are things that we have been through lately, personally, congregationally, and other things that are coming that are not consistent with what God wants for us or with what Jesus paid for. And what are we going to do about that? I think what we typically do is we then turn and choose to eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and we judge those circumstances. We judge, and it's like, okay, God and... Da, 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 da. God and... This is my understanding. Like, God and my understanding. Like, here's what God said, but here's my understanding. You've just eaten of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which then produces within you an evil conscience, a mindset that is at enmity with God. So that's, we're kind of coming in for a landing for a review. <laughs> so last week we looked at this passage, Hebrews 10, 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And there's just, there's so much power in that. Draw near to him. I think that's what Jimmy was describing. He's not far from you. That's, I think that's talking about in your emotions. It's talking about in your relationship, in your perception, in your awareness of Him. That, that's how you draw near to Him. You draw near to Him by acknowledging that He is already near to you. Full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We know that we're washed with the water of the Word, the living Word of God, you know, washing. So in other words, for example, the washing of the water of the Word would be you have a desire and you're moving in a particular direction and it may be a carnal direction that you're moving in and then the Word comes alive within you and tweaks you and you move in a different direction. You're washed, you're made clean and, and preserved clean in that Word. The Word of God will teach you. His grace will come alive within you and teach you how to live godly. And so, but, but what we focused on last week was this idea of our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. What is that evil conscience? An evil conscience questions what God said, whether it be His commands or His promises. All the way back to the garden, the evil conscience mindset that was developed that Adam and Eve gave into was, did God really say? You know, did God really say this? And so we still say that. We're going to look at some things that Jesus said, and it's going to be challenging because He, he said some things that we want to add to. There are entire denominations that add to some of these statements that we're going to look at that Jesus said in terms of, well, this is why this doesn't happen any longer or this is why it doesn't happen for you or he, you know, it's like all of these things that we build upon the words of Jesus and it's like, how about if you just look at what he said and let it sit? Okay, we're going to do that. So an evil conscience, in other words, it questions what God said. It judges God's authority. Does God have the right to, can, can God do that? And it judges His faithfulness. And, and it also judges His willingness. So here's what we do, talking about that mindset. Remember, prayer is where you get back and you clear out all the doubt. You clear out all the conclusions that you come to about life. You, re, you remember, you rehearse who God is. You know what you know about God and you let that grow up within you as you go, and specifically in your prayer life. I'm going to start with what I know. I'm going to stick with what I know to be the truth about God, and I'm going to pray from that. And as this other stuff creeps in, I'm going to frame it in proper context in light of what God said, 
and I'm going to keep my heart focused on Him. Make sense? So that's the big question. Did God really say? And I've said this a couple of times, but, you know, you watch those cop shows, right? And they all sit down, and when they start to gather their evidence or in any type of investigative reporting or even science or whatever, it's like, okay, what do we know? What are the facts? Where do we start? Because that's where you go. You go back to what you know for truth, you know for sure, right? And unfortunately, truth is questioned or people think they've got the corner on the market of truth because of how they read the Bible. But it's like, no, I think Jesus has the corner of the market on truth, right? Like he's the one that knows. Let's go back to him. So here we go. Y'all ready? What do we know? What we know is based on who God is. God is truth. Jesus is God in the flesh, right? The Word of God became flesh. Like, like, think about that for just a minute, right? You think about who Jesus is. Like, if God, in His eternal spiritual state, could put all of His logic, like how He thinks, how He would live, how He would treat people, how He would teach people to live, all of that stuff, like God's logic, what God knows, not, not His eternal power, but like what He knows, His logic, how He thinks, the, word, the, the logos aspect of Him. If all of that could be squeezed down into become a human. So it's like when God enters into the earthly realm, the only legal way to be in this earthly realm is to be a human. So everything that God knows is manifested into a person. That's Jesus. Jesus is the Logos of God. He's the way of God. He's the logic of God. He's the intelligence of God. He's the knowledge of God in human form, living out how God is in front of us. It's incredibly powerful to think of it that way, right? Because you look at Him and you're like, because we look at Him and we think, okay, well, that's God in authority, but He's also God in representation. He's shut. This is how God is. So, so it's incredibly powerful when you think of the woman caught in adultery under law should have been stoned. And what does He do? He removes condemnation, charges her not to sin any longer because that's God's logic, and then sets her free. You know? and, and then trusts that because of that encounter of free, being free from condemnation, that that freedom, she will, because of the encounter, she will then go on and manage that freedom well. She will manage being set free from condemnation well within her own self, within her own you know, internal fortitude, which thank God we have the grace, grace now. But what do we know about her? She went on to be one of the, you know, Jesus' closest disciples, really. I mean, she was. She, fought, you know, she was the first person that uh, God revealed Himself to. Jesus revealed Himself to after the resurrection. I mean, I'm saying a lot, but, but I'm getting down to where I just want to say a couple of things and then we just let those things sit. So what do we know? We know what we know based on who God is. God is true. Amen? Now, so let's watch these. These are, these are we can get ourselves, well, here we go. Say, shut up and read. No, don't tell me to shut up. Mark 9, 20. Uh, so they, so this is the young boy that was demon possessed. They can't get him healed. They bring him to Jesus. This is what happens. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus 
Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But it, but, now this is still the, the father, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, all right, let me hear you. Read that if you can in the tone that you think it would be. Well, how would you say that? Yeah. If you can, like, if you, if you can, what? That's how I read it. Would that be illegal? You got a problem with that? I'm preaching, so, you know. But I, I, I think that is genuine. I think that is actually how you can read that. If you can? What, what do you mean if you can? Everything is possible for those who believe. Everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is... Now, this is in context of illness. This is in context to demonic possession. Now, this is an interesting study for you, and I, and I was going to take the time to do this, but he says these types of things. In other words, he relates someone's healing, someone's deliverance, someone's experience of provision to their being, them having the capacity to believe and receive, okay? Now, I'm not going to go into this word of faith thing where you got to believe stronger. I'll, I'll explain what I'm talking about. But if you were to systematically go through, in fact, I'm going to give you homework assignment number one. Read the book of Mark this week and just pay attention to the tail end of Jesus' encounters with people, specifically the miracles, and see what He says. We're going to read a couple more of them. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I think that is probably the, the, the most important prayer that we could engage in in modern day Christianity. Going to the Lord, help me with my unbelief. You know, it makes me think of the centurion that came to Jesus and said, look, I understand you're a man of authority. And apparently you have the authority over illness. I don't even need you to come to my house. I recognize that you, by sending your word, because I, I manage legions, and if I send my word over here and these people go attack these people, I understand that I have the authority to make that happen. You, Jesus, however, I see that you have the authority to speak and act and do, and people are healed as a result of your authority. And, and he just accepted it, right? I mean, he didn't even, maybe there was a longer conversation, but it's not really recorded. He just understood, you have the power to do this. So I am asking you in your authority, I recognize your authority, will you please heal my child? And Jesus says what? Incredible. I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel, right? It, it's incredible that this man recognized that. So you let that sit where it is, right? Now, this is what we're talking about is, I mean, I've got this phrase here. Prayer builds a framework of truth. This is what we want to do. When we pray, when we live our lives, when we encounter situations, when we, when we are seeking to in, engage with God, for the purpose of a need being met, our own need or someone else's need. You know, this is what we do. We go back to what do we know? Prayer will build that framework of truth, and then we move from there, right? And, and, I, and I get it. 
We've all been through stuff that are contradictory, that, that contradicts what we know is supposed to be ours. And, and we're still hurting from things that should be ours that we didn't experience. But that doesn't change who God is, right? All right, so <clears throat> let's see that again. Everything is possible for one who believes. Now here's the question. Did Jesus really say that? Because that's, that's the evil conscience. Did God really say? So an evil, the evil conscience is not necessarily, you know, bad. It's a little bit of doubt in there. It wants to tag on. Jesus said all things are possible for those who believe. Well, but what he really meant was this. What he really meant, and that doesn't apply to this, and it doesn't, and then we, and then we disempower his word, right? So let's keep going. Mark 10. Again, homework, read the book of Mark. Those of you, you know, up front, D personalities, uh, people that like the bottom line, you, you're going to love the book of Mark. I'm sure you've read it before. Go through and read it again because this is like power, 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 miracle, miracles. Not a, not a lot of fluff in there, right? And, and it's just reporting and this is what happened and boom. So <clears throat> next, next verse here, Mark 10, starting in 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I like that prayer. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more. You know, we could go into a lot of detail here. You're going to have people tell you, hey, don't, don't pray that way. Don't ask Jesus for things like that. He's got more important things to do than to mess with your stuff. Leave him alone. You're not worthy to pray for, to Jesus to ask Him for what you're about to ask Him for. It's not even a legal thing for you to ask Him for that. All, all of the stuff that gets built up. Just look at what Jesus did, look at what He said, and take Him at His word. That's what we're doing today. So they rebuked Him, but He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call Him. They called the blind man, saying to Him, Take heart, get up, He's calling you. I, I love that. That's true now. Take heart. God is calling to you. He's calling to you. Why? So that He can do incredible things in your life like He's about to do. Throwing off His cloak, He sprang up and came to Jesus. Well, I guess so. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover our sight. And Jesus said to him, Did you keep the law? Have you tithed? Are you unworthy of communion this week? No, what'd he say? Go. Some other translations, it just says go. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Uh-oh. Really? Your faith has made you well. Now, I know what happens. You evil conscience people, you... You start thinking about what you've been through. You start thinking about your life. You start thinking about other things that you've heard, other sermons and systems that you've been taught. You start thinking about times that you've prayed, didn't happen, all the questions. Evil, 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 evil. 
And it's evil because it wants to add to. It wants to question. It wants to explain. Well, this is what he really meant. Well, this doesn't apply. Well, that was back then. Jesus did those things because he needed to show himself powerful. Jesus needed to establish the church, so he needed to establish his authority. He didn't really do that stuff anymore. All of that stuff that gets built up. You know, there is that mindset that says that Jesus picked all those disciples in the beginning and they all could do miracles to show His authority, but all of that stuff stopped, especially when the Word of God came into place because that now is what we live by. Only the Bible and that's it because God doesn't do all of that stuff anymore because He only did it with those specific people, except for that one guy. I love where the one guy who John encounters, who's out there casting out devils, right? And John says, we told him to stop. And Jesus said, well, don't tell him to stop. If he's not against me, he's for me. To me, that one encounter, that one, I'm so glad that's in there. And of course, there are people that would write that off as well. But that one guy, I think, is you. And I did a message about that guy. The unknown healer is you. You have a place in the power expression of the body of Christ to live. It's not done. We're still in that time where God is moving through His people. The fact that He says to you, go into the world, lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, they'll recover. That's now. That was said to us. A lot, a lot going on here, but it's so incredible. Well, I went back to the wrong one. Uh, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, if you do this, if you go through, especially in Mark, and you look at not the miracles that Jesus did, like the loaves and things like that, or walking on water, stuff like that, because those are, those are miracles, but the healings or the things or the deliverances, the things that He did for other people, most of the time He actually says something to this effect, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you well. Now, we're talking about prayer, okay? So I'll make it make sense here in a second, but I, but I want you to realize it's not about necessarily asking God to do something as much as it is realizing that it's available and you can live within it or you can receive it or you can experience it because He wants it for you. There's another passage that says... Um, Jesus, if you're willing, will you do this? And he says, I'm willing. Boom. Done. He's willing. I think that would be his answer for anything that he paid for on that cross, which is why we talk so much about the promises, is we must know what he accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection, because when we pray, that's what we're doing. We're building the framework based on his truth, who he is, who we are, what's available. Well, why didn't it happen? Well, I don't really care. In fact, there's only a couple of times when he addresses why didn't it happen. And we don't really like those. One is, they didn't have respect in His authority. Two is, they didn't believe. I'm not going to go into that all that much. We're going to sit with what He said. Here's another one. This is um, <clears throat> the woman with the issue of blood that said, if I can just touch the hem of His garment, right? She pushed through the crowds and she touched Him and He felt it and He turned, who touched me? Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Jesus said that. Here's another one. 
This is uh, when a woman asked Jesus to heal her daughter. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that moment. Didn't even go lay hands on her. She came to Jesus, requested, and it was granted. He's willing and he's always willing. In fact, this is the one where Jesus was saying, I've only come for the you know, for the, ch the children of Israel. And she said, yeah, but even, even dogs can eat scraps. And he's like, you know, that, there's, there, I don't fully understand that interaction, to be honest with you. But the conclusion is she goes to him and asks for help, and he grants it, right? But it's in the same type of situation. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you well. Well, what about the people that I love that weren't well? Did, there, did they not have enough faith? I, 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 as lovingly as I possibly can, that is an evil conscience, to go into questioning what God said is possible. doesn't make you a bad person. It makes us human. It really, what it is is it makes us carnal. And carnal, not bad, but flesh-minded. We want to reason. We want a logic according to what we've happened. And especially if something traumatic, you know, I've, I've, and this, this is a hard one, but people that have been through trauma, sexual abuse, you know, I've, I've been in counseling situations where the, the mindset is they're there in their mind, they can see it, they're reliving it, and then they feel like, okay, well, God is here, He sees everything, how could He just stand by and watch that happen? And that's, that is hard. That, that is, I can't imagine something much harder. And, and, and that's emotional. And so what happens is we adopt beliefs in our heart based on something that happened to us and the emotional significance we attach to it. Something might happen to you that you just, are, for, some, for some reason, you just get healed from it and move on and it doesn't even affect you any longer. That's okay, that's possible. But that's how beliefs get written on our heart. And beliefs and doubt specifically is a, an event happens, emotion happens with it, and that becomes our reality whether it's true or not. And this is what most of us do. We live in an altered reality than, other than truth. Like there's truth and there's your reality. Your reality may be this. Well, I prayed, this didn't happen. Therefore, I don't think God wants this for me because either He doesn't do that any longer or there's something about me that He won't do that for me. And that feels real to you. And that is your reality. And then you start making decisions about life and everything that further that reality, that build and attract that reality back to yourself. It feels real, but it's not true. And that's what prayer is doing, is building a framework of truth. So you go back to this idea, what do we know? What do we know? We know what we know based on who God is. What has God done? What has God said? God says things like, look, it's, I'm willing. It's available. I've paid for it. And the fact that he was even here apparently made it available before he ever even died. It was just God's will, you know? So how do we pray in light of this? This is not a message about how to receive things because we're talking about prayer. It's more of a message of how to not block things. Are you with me? It's more of a message of I'm going to make sure, because, because here's what I know, right? And, and this is a process for me, especially even while I'm preaching, but what do we know? We know that Jesus said the kingdom will produce fruit after its own kind. The kingdom is sown in the heart. 
here's how it works. It's like a seed. It's like a farmer casts seed in the ground, goes to sleep, wakes up, doesn't know how it happened, but produces after its own kind. So I know that the Word of God, the promises of God, the character and logic of God will bear fruit into my life. How? I abide in Him. How do I abide? Well, I don't know. Some of those details we don't get, right? I, I just trust. Be still and know that I'm God. That's how you abide. What do we know? Are, are you seeing? Are you with me? I'm, it's almost kind of an example. It's like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray about this. I know that God, I, you know, God, I'm broke. I'm hurting. I'm, I, need some, I need some money. I got these bills. You know I have these bills. You know, I mean, I know that you're a provider, but da 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 what do I know? I know He's a provider. All right. I know that He loves me. I know that He's for me. I know that He will lead me and guide me into all truth. I know that He desires to bless me so that I will be a blessing. I know that I'm qualified for the blessing of Abraham because I'm a true child of Abraham through faith in Christ. Galatians 3. What do I know? I know. This is what I know. In fact, I, I wasn't going to show this slide. It was kind of for my own notes, but, I, but I'll, I'll read this because this was... So anyway, Christ saves you, cleans you, gives you a new heart. So this is what I know. You're going to pray, right? And you sit down and you pray. First and foremost, you clear out all of that stuff. You reframe in your mind who God is. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, He said, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be, our, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What do we know about His kingdom? We're in His kingdom. Now read through this. Christ saves you, cleans you, gives you a new heart, places His Spirit in you. So th these are the things that you're doing. You're reminding yourself of these things when you sit down to pray. You're framing truth within you. You're defining who you are in Him. He secures you in His inheritance through His blood. He gives you grace to live fruitfully. We know that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We know that He's a provider. We know He's a healer. We know He's a comforter. Jesus is our wisdom. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Okay, well, Jesus is your wisdom, sanctification, and redemption. His love is continually making us whole. His Spirit is continually guiding us into all truth. This is what I know. Like, this is, who, this, this is all just Scripture. This is what I know. What do you know? Like, what are the first things that you do when you go to pray? Do you remind yourself about who God is? Like, I'll put that out there. Think about it for a second. Maybe you can give me an example. What do you know is the truth about God, about God's character? Let's hear some. I'd love to hear from you. He's faithful. God is faithful. And, and, and you would have reason to doubt that, but yet faithful. Bless God, I know He's faithful. What else? What do you know about God? He's merciful. What else? He loves me. What? what? He first loved me. Y'all both said it at the same time. What else? What do you know about God? He's kind. He's patient. He's withheld nothing from you. Somebody said restores. Okay, he's a communicator. He gives me peace. What do you know about God? Right? He wants good things for us. He's a shelter. Present help in time of trouble. Y'all are good at this. 
This is what that this is prayer. To me, I don't necessarily ask God for things. I, I I affirm in myself who He is, because to me, that is abiding within Him. That is abiding within His character. And as I and, and to me, that is allowing the seed to be within me and to bear fruit. Because it's like the farm, the kingdom works this way. It's like a farmer casts. So what you've done is you've cast seed. You've cast seed into your heart. In other words, this is what I believe about God. And that will bear fruit. God knows what you need before you ever even ask. You don't have to ask Him for anything. He does want your heart involved in asking, but He already knows what you need. And He seeks to meet all of those needs according to His riches and glory exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. Like, that's what I know, right? I don't have to tell him what he needs to do for me because he's going to do a better job than what I can put words together to ask for. Prayer is I'm building a framework of truth. It's like, it's like you're building a box, a garden, a raised garden bed that you're going to put some seed in and you know that it's going to grow. Like when you put that seed in there, do you question that it's going to grow tomatoes? You might wonder, I hope they taste good. I hope, they, I hope it's a good crop this year. But you have no doubt that that seed can produce a tomato. It's, it should be the same way with prayer. This is what I know. All of the things that we just said, all of this stuff that I've written, and I'm going to do a blog this week where I lay out these things a lot more. This is what we know. What do we know? What do we know? Not, what do I think? What have I been taught? This is what I've been through. I wonder why. I'm going to water it down. This is, all of that stuff, that evil conscience stuff that our hearts have been sprinkled from. You know, that, that's the other picture that I see is when I'm engaging and when I'm intentionally focusing on the presence of God and I'm taking my time to make myself, it's like I'm becoming clay and putting myself on His wheel to be shaped and molded. I'm, putting, I'm opening myself up as a garden for Him to tend and cultivate and prune and all of that stuff to chastise and discipline if necessary, which by the way, none of that is ever punishment. It's teaching from Him. Jesus took all of our punishment. What do we know? Again, that's another one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of us are like, why is this happening to me? Right? What did I do wrong for this to happen to me? Evil conscience. You're not, you're not living within the truth that Jesus is the atonement for your sin, that there is not one thing that God is holding against you to cause you to be in that difficult circumstance as some type of punishment or withholding situation because Jesus already took care of it. There's not a time when you can say, God, what are you doing? What, what did I do wrong now, you might take personal responsibility for actions that you are reaping what you sowed, but it's not God punishing you. We know that. Why? Because Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice for sin. He punished all sin for all time in Jesus. That's why we know we can believe for these types of things. Jesus said it over and over and over. The reason I highlight your faith has made you whole is really for the purpose of you don't have to go to Him and try to convince Him to be something for you. You acknowledge who He is. 
You stick with what you know. You rehearse the truth. And then out of that is when the declaration comes. Out of that is speak. You know, um, the angel took away John the Baptist's father or his father's uh, oper- uh, capacity to speak. Why? Because your words are powerful. Don't be speaking against the truth of God. Now you can get into a negative confession, brother. Be careful, you know the word police type thing. It's out of your heart, right? But so that's what prayer then. Don't don't even bother to say anything until you've gone through this place of intimacy. You know that God is with you. You're aware of His presence. Your heart is one with Him, and your mind is one with. I think that's what the model that Jesus was saying: "Our Father, which art in heaven." Hallowed be your name. That's kind of the deep breath. Our Father, our Father, who's in heaven. Well, where's heaven? In me. And He's holy. Where He is is holy, so He must have changed me inwardly. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, where is His kingdom? Jesus says it specifically. Don't look up as to who's going to go get it or go down and bring it up. It's in you. The Word of God is in you. Where's your kingdom? Well, the kingdom is in you. And it's in you to grow out of you. Like you know that. That's what you know. That's what you go back to. And then you sit within that. You know, I really don't think that tomato plant's sitting inside that soil trying to figure out how to be a tomato plant. What does it do? Those things wind around. It winds its roots around. It finds the healthy soil. It turns toward the sun. You know, that, that's our, 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 our prayer life is positioning. It's positioning to make sure that we're, we have full exposure to the truth. Because it will grow. Well, how does it grow? Well, it just grows. It's in there. Take the time to put it in there. All of, all of that stuff that we just did collectively, to me is powerful prayer because it's declaring who God is and then trusting He will be that because He will and it'll be better than anything that we could dream up or think of. So faith, because He says great faith, right? I've seen, I haven't seen this great faith. Great, so faith is confidence in Jesus, persuasion of who He is. Great faith is not something a, co- a commodity that you have that you've developed in and of yourself. It's your how convinced you are of who God is. Great faith is the centurion saying, you have the power to do this, and all I have to do is put a request into that power and authority, and you will send that word, and it will happen. Now, What if you didn't add to that? Like, what if the next time you prayed and whatever it is that you needed to see in your life, that was your mindset? Where's Jesus? I need to find Him. I'm going to go talk to Him because I understand He's got authority over this and I'm going to talk to Him and I'm going to ask Him for this and He will respond and He sends His Word and that'll happen. That's it. Like, what if we prayed like that rather than all of the stuff that we add on to it? And that's the difficulty. That, that's what I wanted to leave with today is Jesus said those things. We know what's true because of what He did. 
Now, our role and our responsibility is collectively what we did together. Do that in your own life and affirm the truth of who you are and then speak. And it's like, uh, so, so you're building that framework of truth for the Word of God to grow within. Understanding God is with you, God is for you. And this is, this is cute. I like this. You hear it's kind of a popular thing, but I, but I think it bears merit here. Don't tell God about your problem. Tell your problem about God. Because He's with you, and He's for you, and He's already done something about it. And if it's something that's just in this world that you have to deal with, He will, he will help you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will comfort you. you know, there are some things in this world that it's just how this world is until He restores all things, and that's coming. Praise God, we know that too. Amen? So do you have that picture? Do you have that picture of what we did collectively? And that is, we just took the time to say, this is who God is. This is what I know about God. I get it. I'm not experiencing it, but this is who He is. And if you let that sit within you, you your heart will become receptive to let Him be that for you. Did you... Did you like? As you meditate and think on who He is, what that's doing is it's shaping your heart to be able to let Him be that for you. Because we see it when He went into His hometown, they weren't able to let Him be a healer for them. Some people would teach it to say He withheld healing because they didn't respect Him. I don't think that's what happened. I think they couldn't receive what He was trying to give them because they didn't, like the centurion, recognize his authority to do those things. See, an evil conscience would question his authority and his willingness. And, and I'll leave it at that. Are you questioning his willingness? So let, let's stand up. Let's do a little bit of an exercise together. Prayer building that framework of truth. And I want to do one more time. And you can even say the same things if you want to, but, but I, I'm not going to go around the room and make everybody say something. But so rather than me, rather than we bowing our heads, closing our eyes, I pray, you start thinking about what you want for lunch. Let's do it together, right? <laughs> we are a garden. We are containers of the presence of God. Think about that for just a minute. The Spirit of the living God is in you. In fact, just say that. The Spirit of the living God lives in me. One more time. The Spirit of God lives in me. Now, you may or may not feel that in this moment. It's all right, but you know that it's true because He said that it's true, right? You can say this. I have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into God's kingdom. I am a child of God. He loves me, and He is for me. Now, God is... Now, let's hear from you. God is what? You can repeat ones if you want. God is love. God is joy. Or even just what do you know about God? Speak them out. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, And now for your situation, what do you know about God? He's faithful. There's peace. He's a creator. He's a constant help, counselor, wisdom. He'll never leave you. He's power. 
comforter. My righteousness. Bigger than any problem that we have. That's right. Now that, that, this is prayer. This is who God is. I'm cultivating the truth of who God is. Right? And then we all said together, Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.